Thank you for downloading this podcast from Victory Outreach Manchester. We pray that this message will bless your life as you listen. Praise God. Let's jump into this. Take your seats. It's a hard thing getting to know the real you. Amen? Because when God calls us, he calls us out from being fake, being phony, being unrighteous, unholy. And he calls us into this wonderful, marvelous light that the real you is actually righteous. The real you is actually holy. The real you is actually pure. But our minds take a bit of time to catch up to who we really are. And today we're going we're gonna to shout, we're going to sing, we're going to dance. Some of us are going to run around the sanctuary. Amen. If you run around the sanctuary, I'll pay for your buffet today. <laughs> but on behalf of Pastor Paul and Sister Vicky, uh, we want to thank you for being here. And we want to thank Pastor Paul and Sister Vicky for hosting today and the leadership. Today, this is, um, this is like the safety briefing for the weekend. You know, when you get on a plane or you go into, you know, hatch a trow or something, they give you like the safety briefing. That's what this is. Amen. This is our risk assessment sermon. <laughs> because it's fruit season. It's fruit season. Tell your neighbor it's fruit season. And before we go and pick the fruit, we have to do a little risk assessment. Can somebody say amen? amen. Today we're going to talk about mixture. We're going to talk about mixture. When it, comes to, when it comes to light and darkness, holiness and unholiness, righteousness and unrighteousness, you know God doesn't like mixture. He'd rather us be one or the other. When it came to the anointing oil back in the Old Testament, the anointing oil was so pure that God was so specific in the ingredients that he wanted in the anointing oil. And he would only let an expert perfumer mix it because he wanted it to be exact. He wanted it to be exactly how he wanted it to be. And, you know, I don't, I don't think that God wants us to be good one day and bad the other and, you know, clean one day and dirty the other. I think he wants us to be to be made whole and, and righteous, amen? And I don't think, you know, skipping between two different things, I don't think that's God's will for your life. I think he wants us to be a certain way. So I want to talk about mixture today, and I want to confront this. This is a heavy topic, amen, but someone needs to talk about it, hallelujah. So Father, help me today, and I hope this, I hope this, blesses, I hope this blesses your life. Turn with me in your Bible to the book of Matthew, chapter 13. I'm going to read from verse 24. Give me an amen when you're there. Another parable he put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven 
is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. So the servant of the owner came to him and said, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? Look at that. Look at, this. Look at the servant. He said, did you not sow good seed in your field? Because there's always people that want to judge your field. There's always people that want to look at your field. Go and judge your own field. The last time I checked, your field was a full-time job. <laughs> Amen? Come on, tell your neighbor, look at your own field. How then does it have tears? He said, how, how then does it have tears? If you are who you say you are, why does your field look like this? Mm -mm -mm. He said to them, an enemy has done this. The servant said to him, do you want us then to go and gather them up? But he said, no, lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, first gather the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them but gather the wheat into the barn. He said, this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. Amen? Now, let me just explain something before we go on to explain this passage of Scripture. I believe that we need to keep hold of biblical words. Certain biblical words, even though they might not be, uh, they might not be in fashion and on trend, there's certain biblical words that, that we need to keep hold of. Some of those words are anointing, righteousness, amen, and iniquity. Tell your neighbor, iniquity. In Exodus chapter 34, verse 7, it says this, it said, Keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving the iniquity and transgressions and sin, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. Amen. And as Christians, we're great at pointing out what people do wrong. We're great at pointing out what people did wrong, but we're not so great at walking on or pointing out why they did wrong. Amen. And we always look at people, you know, at what they did wrong and we take that, but we don't, sometimes we don't look behind why they did that wrong because because behind every what there's a why. And behind every fruit there's a root. Amen. And he's talking about the iniquity of the fathers between the third and fourth generations. Because how many know things get passed on to us through generations from generation to generation. And some of the things we don't see. And some of the times people come into our homes and they come into, you know, churches. And they have stuff through generations that they come in with. And sometimes we have to look uh, a little bit deeper and find the root. And maybe something that happened to you when you were eight years old and it caused something to happen in your life. And, you know, it, it, it's a heavy, heavy thing. There's always more to someone than what you see. 
There's always more to someone than what they've been doing. Amen. And it's not just someone comes in, I've been doing heroin for 10 years, I've been a crackhead for 15 years. Well, hang on a minute. Why have you been a heroin addict for 10 years? And why have you been a crackhead for 15 years? Let's get to the root of that issue. Amen. Bible calls it iniquity. Calls it iniquity. It's getting past what they did and getting to why they did it. Amen. And it's, 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 these, it's like these inner forces that drive in individuals. It's the passions and the desires. Amen. That don't seem and they can't seem to be restrained. They just can't seem to restrain those things. And they keep acting on the same impulses, the same passions, the same desires. And they don't know because it's something that runs three and four generations deep. Today is a safe place. And I'm not, I'm not too, too interested in what's happened in your life, but I, I am interested in why those things have happened and what's going on on the inside. And you can come to God with a willing heart and a, and, a, and a willing heart to change. And I believe that God will meet you at your point of need and that anointing will come upon your life and he's able to break the yokes and pull down the strongholds in our lives. Can someone say amen? amen. The fact that you're still struggling is a good sign. It means that you haven't given in and you haven't given up. And if you're in the church today or if you're in the home today and if you're struggling, at least you're struggling in the right direction and you're pressing forward in the right direction. And you're here because you want to fight. You're here because you want to challenge it. You're here because you don't want to throw in the towel. You're here because you do want to break it. And God will give you a word. He'll give you a word that's going to flush that iniquity out of your system. Oh. Iniquity means bent. It means twisted. And the first, the first birth you had when you came out of your mother's room, uh, your mother's womb, you were all bent and you were all twisted. And you already had a proclivity to do madness. You already had that proclivity to do, to do them mad things. The second birth... Amen. Because how many know you have to be born again? Amen. Because God, when you're born again, He makes the crooked places straight. Mm. And the second birth unravels what the first birth did to us. And Jesus is the only one who can unravel this. I don't know, I've just experienced that for me because I tried everything else and I tried every other road and it was only Jesus that was able to unravel those things can someone say amen? amen we go through we go through like what i did i went through life and early days in christianity and I'm, i was like i was swinging at things and trying to fight things and i didn't even know what i was fighting against and many of our people now, many of our youth now, many of our, our homes now, they're swinging at things and they're fighting things and they don't even know what they're fighting against. They don't know what they're wrestling against. Yokes, people get yoked early. And I was saying this to me church the other week about how people get yoked when they're like six, seven, eight years old. And they get yoked with something when they're young, whether it's an abuse, whether it's a, you know, whether it's a, whatever it is. 40 years later, they're in a counseling office 
sitting in a chair or, or 40 years later in a recovery home, in a men's home or a women's home with tears streaming down the face, not knowing what has happened, what has gone on. Because they've been yoked early. Now we're all born with that proclivity to do wrong and we come in, we get saved and our spirit is good. You get saved and instantly your spirit is saved. But how many know your soul ain't saved yet? Your mind ain't saved yet. And it's over. your mind has to catch up with what God has done in your spirit. Amen. And just when you have that born again experience, God comes in and he transforms our heart. He gives us a new heart. Amen. Our spirit is saved. You know, God also wants to baptize your soul. He wants to baptize your mind. He wants to baptize your feelings. Amen? Because some of our feelings need to die. And they need to resurrect again. Mm-mm-mm. we get to that in a minute. You're a new creation. You're no longer people of darkness. You're now people of light. And the Bible says that any man that is in Christ Jesus is a new creation. The old has what? And the new has, the new has come. And God doesn't take the old you and put makeup on you and make you a new you. He brings you out into a brand new you. Amen. So you can go back home and testify. So when God makes you new, you're able to go home and testify to your wife and to your kids and to your family and to your friends. And you're able to walk in the door and say, look, you haven't met me yet. Amen. I'm a new creation. I'm a new person. And you can introduce them to the new you. Amen. David had iniquity in his life. And it was the rejection of his father. When all his sons were, were getting welcomed into the house and he was left outside. He was left outside. He, he had to do all the jobs that nobody else in the family would do. He was made to do all the stuff that no one else in his family would do. And it was all, he, he, he got this thing, this rejection from his father. This rejection planted a seed. It planted a seed in his life. Then later on, check this. Later on, this young David, this young man becomes an adulterer, a murderer. Crazy things going on. But check this. It's all going on while he's a man after God's own heart. Now I know that messes with people's theology because we, we like to put people in the sin box or the not sin box and we don't really have it too. But let me tell you this, there's mixture. People have mixture going on. There's mixture in people's life. There's stuff that you have conquered and the stuff that you haven't conquered just yet. But the stuff that you haven't conquered is threatening the stuff that you have conquered. And it's causing you problems. That's why Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, but I discipline my body and I bring it into subjection lest when I have preached to others that I myself might become disqualified. There are things that you have to come through that your fathers and your bloodlines and the iniquities are passed on that you need to come through and it's only God that can do it. And if you don't come through it, look what Paul says, you will be disqualified. Mm -mm -mm. 
And any time, you know any time you're getting a breakthrough or any time God's moving in your life or God's doing something in your life, it's always that thing that raises its head. Anytime you're going to break through or go to the next level or, or do something great for God, or it's always on the cusp of something great. That thing, that thing, that iniquity always seems to raise its head. The Bible calls it iniquity. And this is why I believe David was such a worshiper. Bible says that he, you know, he wrote all the Psalms, all these, all these Psalms that he wrote. 2,000 years later, that's where all of our worship comes from. It comes from the Psalms because when it comes to iniquity, nobody can help you. It's between you and God. It's between you, your worship, and God. But David never really broke it. He never really broke it. And what happened, look, look check it out, according to Exodus, it, it, as it increased in the next generation. It increased in the next generation, and it increased in his son Solomon. Solomon, when you listen to Solomon in the beginning of his days, he's saying, he's saying things like, teacher, teacher, listen to the wisdom. Don't despise the wisdom of the teacher. Then in Ecclesiastics, in the end of his days, he's saying things like, vanity, vanity, everything is meaningless. What's happened between all the wisdom and listen to the teacher to getting to the point where it's vanity, vanity? You know what was in between that? A whole load of women. There was a whole load of women in between that. Why? Because of the iniquity of his father. Didn't David have a problem with women? Don't tell your neighbor he's preaching. And iniquity will do that. Iniquity will push praise out of you just like it did David. Even though he was going through what he was going through, God still called him a man after my own heart. And praise, when you're in that place and when you're dealing with things, praise will push the pain out. It will push the pain out, amen. And sometimes we think that the people that are praising, the people that are worshiping the loudest, are singing the loudest, sometimes we think they have it all together. Let me tell you, you couldn't be further from the truth. What you're seeing right there is somebody that's pushing the pain out because they want God. They want God to deal what's on the inside. Wasn't it blind Bartimaeus? He, could, he couldn't see Jesus, but he was praising the loudest. It was blind Bartimaeus. Everybody that could see Jesus, they weren't saying nothing. But it was this man in the corner, the blind man, saying, look, I don't know about you, but I need to get me praise on. And they were telling them, shh, shh, because the people that want God praise the loudest. quiet and praise and worship. Amen. My pain has to find somewhere to get out. My madness has to find somewhere to get out. My iniquity has to find somewhere. Amen. And I found it in worship because when I cast me cares and me burdens onto the Lord. 
That's the gate I now release it from. Amen. What I used to do, I used to have pity parties with everybody else. And share me drama with everybody else. And share me pain with everybody else. But you know what I realized? They can't do nothing for me. They actually make it worse. So now I cast it onto the Lord. And that's why people on your road, are, you know the people on your road that get on your nerves and they, they're always shouting, Hallelujah! Or they're always dancing. That's, that's why. Because they need somewhere to release it. Amen? You know what that is that's coming out? You, you hear, hallelujah. That's, that's rejection coming out. You know when they're getting all crazy in the worship and praise? You know what that is? That's the abandonment coming out. Because pain has to come out. We need to find a place for pain to be released. Amen? And it's good. It's good when you're in the house of the Lord and you're in the presence of the Lord because you're saying, look, Lord, look I'm going to bring you my pain. I'm going to bring you my trauma. I'm going to bring you all them years of, of, of man and I'm going to bring it to you. Come on, let's give a clap to the Lord. Come on, shout hallelujah. Come on, hallelujah. There's an anointing in this place. And it's going to be released today. God's going to break some things off us this weekend. Between now, between tonight and between tomorrow morning. Because Jesus has the power to break it. Amen. Otherwise, what are you doing here? It would be stupid for you to, to even be here if we didn't believe that. Who believes that? He's breaking it off us. He's breaking it off. He's going to break it off you today. And you know when it breaks off you? It's mad because it breaks off. It's going to break off your children. It's going to break off you. While it's breaking off you, you know, your kid that's out there that's running mad, all of a sudden they're going to get all flustered in the head and it's all going to change because God is going to start breaking things off them. Also, come on, shout Jesus. Come on, shout Jesus. Come on, what's his name? Come on, let's let the devil hear it. Jesus. 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 Come on, say his name. Check this out. The Bible says that every knee will bow. You know what's happening? The devil is getting off his throne right now. And he's starting to bow because of the name of Jesus. I mm. said, devil, you bow. Everything that had a grip on you is going to be broken. Every foot that has been on your neck is going to be broken in Jesus' name. Because we need to release a sound here this morning that as we go into this weekend, as we, as we shift into this weekend, amen, we're going into fruit season, amen. We're going into a season that we're going to be picking strawberries over there and apples over here. We're going to be picking leaders over there. Come on, it's fruit season. 
And with fruit season come good reports. Mm-mm-mm. Good reports. Joshua's and Caleb's. Oh, pastor, we can't do that. No, shut up. We can't do that. Oh, pastor, we can't. No, no, we can. Bible tells me we can do all things through Christ Jesus. Yeah, it might be big, but it's possible. It's possible. Come on, slap your neighbor and say, it's possible. It's possible we can do it. You know why we can do it? Because there's prophecy. There's prophecy over you. Galatians says, let us not be weary in, come on, you know the one, in due season. We will reap a harvest if we faint not. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't, don't, don't throw in the towel. Don't pack it in. Don't leave the home. Don't stop leading. Don't pack it in. In due season, you're going to reap a harvest. You just keep on one step. Keep on another step. Keep on another step. Just keep on going. But make sure you're going in the right. So in this parable, Matthew, he, he expected a harvest from the seed. In this parable, he expected something from the seed because he'd sown the seed. So as he's sown the seed, obviously he's going to expect something from that seed. He expected something to happen. He expected something to come. Now, before I go on to explain the parable, I must, I must not allow a victim mentality to come in with this scripture. Amen? Through the wrong interpretation of this scripture. Because, because bad, seed, bad seed was sown in his life, something bad happened to him that he had nothing to do with. And that's the thing that's going to make you or break you. It's going to be the thing that's going to shape who you are, is how you deal with the stuff that you cannot control. Because there's something about Knowing when you've messed up or knowing when you've got yourself in a mess. It's easier when, you, when you've got yourself in a mess, it's easier to turn around and say, do you know what? I'll take it on the chin. I got myself into this. I'm going to have to get myself out of this. But when something has been done to you that you didn't ask for, You didn't ask for those cards to be dealt. You didn't ask for that thing to happen. You didn't ask. You didn't set out your way and say, you know, this was a good idea. Something just happened to you. And you didn't ask for it, but now you're having to clean up the mess that it has caused. And your life life is going to be determined on how you respond in those moments. How you, how you, how you uh, approach those moments. How are you going to deal with those moments? I can, I can absorb, absorb things that have happened. Because I've done it. But when something has been done to me that I had no control, that's tough to take. That's tough to absorb. It's tough to move on with that. 
Mommy was shouting a minute ago. He said, an enemy did this. And there may be times an enemy will make you clean up a mess that they created. Right? But you should never allow that to turn around and become a victim mentality. Because a victim mentality will put a big sign up on the individual and say, well, because what happened to me when I was 10, or because what happened to me when I was 8, and they'll have a sign, 50 to 50, you're 50 years old. You're 50 years old. But they put up a sign, well, because what happened to me when I was 8, don't expect much from me. Mm-mm-mm. A victim mentality will invite other, other people into your life that sort of reinforce your behavior or your thinking, right? Come on, who's the psychologist in the place? A victim mentality will always find a reason to blame what you have a lack of discipline for. Mm. Man, you can tweet that. Amen? Because we love to blame. You used to love to blame. We blame everybody. Blame the world, blame the council, blame the community, blame this, blame that, blame our culture, blame our race. Amen? But what you have a lack of discipline for. Mm. Well, you've got, Pastor, you've got no idea what I've been through. Amen? Some people, they show up late. If you're late today, forgive me. Amen. We come here and we say to you, oh, well, you've no idea what I've been through, Pastor. Late. No, listen, let's keep it real here. You, you, you got up late, you're lazy, and that's why you're late. It's got nothing to do with what happened to you when you were eight. You're just lazy and you didn't come on time. Why? Because you teach people not to expect much from you. You put yourself in a position where you say, don't, well, don't expect much from me because of what happened to me. And, and, and they're always looking to relieve responsibility and give it to someone else because they're always lowering their availability. That's not what this parable teaches. Can I go a little bit deeper? What it says in one of the most quoted verses in, in Scripture, what a man sows, he will, he will reap. So those who sow sparingly will reap. Sparely. But the, the never, nobody ever reads the next verse where it says that the one, the one that has blessed you, you should always turn around and bless it back. Right? So when, when, we, when we go through the home or when we go through our, or whatever, whatever stage we're in, if something has blessed you, if a church has blessed you, if the home has blessed you, if a leader has blessed you, if somebody has blessed you, don't just t- take it and walk away. Turn around and refill the well. What? Bugs the life out of me is when people come into our homes with a little victim mentality. God raises them up, changes them, and then they get to a place and they leave the home. And all of a sudden, the home is the problem. Mm-mm-mm. Amen? Don't, don't be a little... Don't, I'm not going to say that word. Don't, don't be a little snake. 
Don't be a snake. If God's blessed your life in that home, turn around and bless that home. If God's used that leader to get you to a place, turn around and bless that leader. Amen. I was watching, you watch some of the preachers, you know, the American preachers. I love this about the American preachers. Sometimes they come up and throw money on the altar because the, the preacher has blessed their life. You ever seen that? I think we should start that right now. Come on, the altars are open. Well, listen, if, if you draw from a well, refill the well. Replenish the well. If, if Pastor Paul has blessed your life and the word is like the word has transformed your life, go to him at the end of the service and say, Pastor Paul, I just want to tell you that word has blessed me life. Because why? what's happened is he spent 25 hours preparing, two hours pouring out. His well's empty. So it's good to hear the testimony of someone that said, you know what? That word has done me good and I just want to thank you, sir. And what you're doing is you're refilling the well. The home will bless your life. Make sure you turn around and bless the home. Amen. But he says this. He says, whatever a man sows, that, that will he reap. What is, what, what is that? What's that? Do you, do, you, do you even know the seed for that? Amen. Because the certain seeds that produce certain fruit, certain crops. And people will be over here, they'll be praying, oh Lord, give me a breakthrough, I need finances. And let me, prayer is not the seed for finances. Right? Money is the seed for money. <laughs> if you want money, sell money. Right? You want finances, sell finances. People over here praying and fasting for 40 days, look on. <laughs> Look, stop all that. Prayer is for a certain things. Yes, fasting is for certain things. But if you want financial breakthrough, sow it. Whatever that is, whatever that is, sow that. It's amazing to me, people that run around wanting a harvest that they never sow for. Mm. They want things, but they've never sown for them. And we still see it today. I'm telling you, people, people are nuts. People are mad. They're mad at life. They're mad at the church. They're mad at this. They're mad at that. Because they see people have a harvest that they want, but they never sow for it. Uh -uh -uh. Well, I don't have no friends. That's because you're meaner than the devil. If you want friends, sow friendliness. Oh. Well, no, no one ever gives me any grace. Because you never give any grace to anybody. You're the most judgmental person that's walked the earth. Right? I'm trying. <laughs> right? Well, nobody ever blesses me. It's because you never bless no one else. Well, no one pays for my petrol. Because when is the last time you paid for petrol? Mm. When you're not saying nothing to me now. 
Whatever a man sows, that he will reap. I forgot the keyboard, come. You know what I found out about the church? It's mad. Church people are mad. <laughs> it's mad, right? It's, it's amazing. The amount of cold, bitter people that are walking around pointing the finger at what I call bitter people. Mm. When we think of when we think of sowing and reaping, we think uh, we think like there's a there's a term they use in psychology called it's called linear thinking, where it's like cause and effect. You sow something here, somewhere down there, or or reap. The Bible the Bible says that we are to walk circumspectly. So wherever wherever we deal with sort of gonna come around, and it's gonna get us from behind. Right? The Bible says that we're to walk in such a way that what we give out will come around and meet us again. This guy sowed good seed. He sowed wheat and he got wheat. What he didn't prepare for and what he couldn't envision was something else got planted that he didn't expect to reap. And it was, it was during the seed time and the harvest time. It was something that was out of control, out of his control. He had, he had no idea where it came from. You ever woke up one day and asked yourself, how in the world did that get there? You ever woke up one morning and, and, and said to yourself, what? I just never expected this to happen. Remember years ago when, in the, when terrorism was at its highest and 9-11 happened? And you know, they, they had like all our airport security now comes from what happened back then. They would, they would mention these things across the news and across, you know, news channels and they would, they would like terrorism, there was going to be there's terrorists in the neighborhood, there's these things. They, they, you know what they called them? They called them sleeper cells. Who remembers that? Right? Where they would say to you, these people are living in your community, they're living in your city. You don't even know, you don't know anything about them, but one day they're going to wake from their sleep. Just a norm, normal, normal families doing their, you know, the da daily thing. They told us to watch out for sleeper cells until a certain day they would wake up from their sleep and they would activate that terrorism. That's kind of what the enemy does in your life. It's kind of what he does in your life. It's something that has, it's like a sleeper cell. It lays dormant for years. It lays dormant for such a long time, and then all of a sudden, pop, it wakes up and it rears its head. So now you, here you are, you're out, you look, you're surveying your garden, you're looking into your garden, and you're saying, I know I did that, and I know I did that, but where did, where did that come from? 
you raised them in church. You disciplined them when you needed correction. You taught them how to respect. And then all of a sudden you're looking at them one day and you're thinking, where's he come from? Because I know I didn't sow for that. The enemy did this while I was asleep. You know, there's a, there's a real difficulty in relaxing in your faith. And I know, people, I know people say, well, I need to get rest and I need to do rest. And, you know, I think there's a difference between rest and falling asleep. The difficulty of relaxing with God. He didn't sow the seed, but while, while he was sleeping, while no one was on guard, the enemy sowed something into his garden that he didn't expect. And all of a sudden, a seed he never knew got planted turned into a harvest he never expected to deal with. So now he looks out over his field, and what does he see? He sees mixture. He sees mixture. Things that he wants and things that he doesn't want. Mm. You know the word tear means, it, it, in the Greek it just means this, it means undesirable parts. So I look, at, I look at my life now and I see things I desire and I see things that I don't desire. But I love this, what God says. What, 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 the parable says, he says, but this is what the kingdom is like. This is what the kingdom is like. You're going to have stuff you desire and you're going to have stuff you don't desire. Church people struggle when tears pop up in their life. They struggle when people are, are we grab their incense. They struggle with that, and you want to put people in the box. Saying them, not saying them. Like, I don't even know what that is. But Jesus has said, this is what the kingdom is like. This is what people are like. People sow and reap, but you have to understand, we also have an adversary called the devil. And some things are like, in, 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 certainly for me, there was things that were sleeping, right? What I didn't realize was that they came through the iniquity of our fathers, from my father to, to grandfather to great-grandfather. So stuff that great-granddad was wrestling with in the, in the cupboard, now it's in public with me. Hebrews 12, 15, looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up causes trouble and by many become defiled. When them things spring up, they don't just hurt you, but they hurt everybody that's connected to you. You think you came to God just for you and your little salvation. No, my friend. 
there's a whole lot of people that are connected to you. And if you don't deal with the iniquity from the generations, whatever is in there, whatever is in you is going to spring up. And when that springs up, that bitter root that's going to spring up, it says it doesn't just defile you, it defiles people that are connected to you. So what do you do? You have to protect your garden. Guard your heart with all diligence. Diligence. Can I speak to you as one of our, our pastors, our leaders? And it was in the commission. Some of, some of us are way, way too lax when it comes to protecting our garden. Way too lax. The enemy should have to walk over time to get into your garden. He should have to walk double time. But some of us, he's just walking in to our garden. He's just walking in. And he's walking in through various different methods. Some of you, he's walking in through the music you listen to. He's coming in through your gate. Some of the websites that you like to go on, he's, you're opening up your garden. Some of the relationships that you like to keep, or God says you need to cut, you're opening up your garden. Some of us are viewing pleasure. Amen. You're opening up your garden. Some of us, based on the talk that keeps coming out of our mouths, you're swinging the gate right open. And you're saying to the enemy, come in. Come in. Until one day you have a day of reflection and you look out your garden like this man. And you say, how did I get As we're going into fruit season, the land flowing with milk and honey. I want to say to you today that you've got to guard your garden and you've got to guard your gate. You can't, you can't water your garden with bitter water one day and sweet water another day. Proverbs 4, 23 says, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. Put away, put away from you a deceitful mouth and put perverse lips far from you. Let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids look before you. Ponder the path of your feet and let all your ways be established. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Everything, everything has a landing, a landing spot. Planes have a runway. The word of God is a, a heart. Amen. Seed needs soil. It needs soil. Depending on what's in your seed, it, it's irrelevant. The soil is going to push out what's in the seed. And if there's, if there's health, if there's holiness, if there's a purity, well, guess what's going to happen? 
that's the, the soil is going to push that out of the seed. But Amy Church, if there's a bitter, if there's a bitterness, if there's resentment, if there's them things are going to push out from the seed. As a, as a region, we have a responsibility, and I'm, I'm not talking about, I'm not, I'm not, I'm talking about vision, I'm not casting vision, that's Pastor Paul's job. We have a responsibility that when we leave this place, that the word goes from our head to our heart. And we have a responsibility to cultivate our, our, our garden, UK and Germany region. We have, we have a garden to protect. We have a garden to cultivate. We have a garden to, to make sure that there's fruit in the garden so people can pick that fruit. I want to be somebody that um, tends to the garden. Got me little speck in the garden, but I just want to make sure that my little speck in the garden is, is good. I want to make sure that the little piece that I have to look after in the garden is, is good. That I'm taking care of it, that I'm pruning it, that I'm, you know, I'm watering it, that I'm making sure that when it's time to harvest, when it's time for the harvest to come, there's actually going to be some fruit that's growing. I would hate for people to look at the patch that I have and look at the little bit that I'm, God says to take care of and it'd be, it wouldn't be nice for people to look at and say, no, there's no fruit in the patch that he's looking after. That's not good, right? It's not good. And I want to say that everybody in here has a piece to take care of in our garden. You want to commit a garden to the Lord? Collectively. It's powerful, man. That we all take responsibility for our, our little speck in the garden. I want to be a contributor to a healthy garden. Amen. Stand with me today. If this message has spoken to you in any way, and if you want to contribute to a healthy garden, and you want to say, Do you know what? I want to restore relationships. I want our relationships to be better. I want our friendships to be better. I want our just things to be better. Not that they're not good, but f for me, I, I, I want them to be better. And I want to, you know, it's important that we, we commit that to the Lord and commit our ways to the Lord. How, you, how we manage this garden is going to determine what type of fruit we're going to see. What type of fruit that we're gonna we're gonna be able to pick and to eat from? So as we worship the Lord, and if you want to be a contributor to this garden, and you want to say, Do you know what, that's for me, I want you to make your way to the front here today. The altars are open. Visit us every Sunday in person at the church building, or live on Facebook and YouTube at 10 a.m. Go to our website, vomanchester.org.uk for more information.